Thanks for listening to the Healthy Church Podcast with Larry Barker and Drew Klein. The Healthy Church Podcast is an honest conversation about what it means to be part of a healthy church. There are no perfect churches because they're all filled with imperfect people led by imperfect leaders. But by God's grace, we can begin to dialogue about what changes can be made in our lives as leaders and in the churches we serve in order to better love God and His people. For more information and other resources, go to HealthyChurchPodcast.com. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Healthy Church Podcast. My name is Drew Klein. I'm with Larry Barker. And Larry, I'm excited to have this guest with us today. Why don't you introduce us and tell where we're going? Well, we are excited to have John Michael Poulin with us and uh, been a friend a long time. And uh, we've worked together and uh, we thought it'd be cool to interview him today and him talk a little bit about uh, their mission experiences in Peru. Uh, he now serves as a regional coordinator for uh, the BMA Missions Department for South America and parts of Africa. Is there anything else you're responsible for? That's it at the moment. <laughs> 24 countries is enough. Wow. 24 countries? What are you doing with your spare time? <laughs> I spend it with my wife. Hey, That's it. <laughs> hey, and a new grandpa, too. I am. We have a little baby girl named Ava Grace. She's three months old, and she has stolen my heart away. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I knew I had to mention that because yes. grandparenting, there's nothing like it. It's awesome. Absolutely. Seriously, though, how do you do 24 countries? Like, <laughs> like, to be honest, I, I really cannot do 24 countries and do it well. Uh, I do the best that we can and pray for grace for the rest. If everything goes perfect, I can't even visit all of them in one year. We try to take two trips a month, and just think about that. When you add in Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, in November and December, you're probably not going to get two trips in. So it's almost impossible to get to all 24 countries and physically visit them yeah. within a year. Do you have in-country leaders, obviously, though, that are helping? Huh? In some countries, we do. We absolutely do. We have associations that are formed, and there's presidents of those associations or a regional coordinator that we'll work through. Uh, but in some of the other countries, like Nigeria, we have one guy, and he's our first missionary on the ground. He's all by himself. Uh, spend a lot of time with him just mentoring him because there's not other pastors there to support him. Right. Okay. Awesome. Wow. That's, that's a lot of traveling. I used to think I traveled a lot. That's <laughs> That's crazy. I tell people all the time, the airport is my second home. Uh, when people ask me about decisions with my wife in the house, I said, well, that's all up to her. I just sleep there occasionally. Right. So, yeah. Well, in 24 countries, I know you speak Spanish fluently, but you're talking about some other countries that don't speak Spanish. Absolutely. You get over <laughs> to Africa, and then you have English, which is the official language in a number of those countries. Okay. But to be honest, the moment you get out of the capital, they're all in their tribal languages. Uh, everything's done through a translator. Uh, a lot of that scares me. I'm, I'm yeah. nervous. Are they saying what I'm right. saying? Uh, sometimes we have to hire translators that are not believers. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yes, multiple different language groups. In Ghana alone, English is the official language, but there's 50 different tribal languages that are spoken in Ghana. Wow. And we have works in almost all of the 50 tribal languages that are spoken there in Ghana. Awesome. Well, what we'd like to hear, talking to pastors and leaders that listen to the podcast, uh, John Michael, how long you been doing this now? Like 15 years? Is that what I heard you I've say? I've been on the payroll with the BMA for 15 years. I was 
nine years there in Costa in uh, Peru. I've been back in the states for four, and then the one year in Costa Rica for language school. So right at fifteen years. Yeah. So in that journey, and having been an active part of your church there in uh, Mississippi. Uh, and uh, been there many times and uh, know a lot of your folks there and being a very active role and then going into that. And what are some lessons or some things that you think maybe pastors ought to know about missions, discipleship, church planting? Well, I know that's a lot, but uh, we warned you we were going to ask you about those things. And what are some things you've learned and, and you wish uh, others were uh, would just love to make them more aware of it? One of the things that I think we're lacking in the church in the States is a challenge to, for people to surrender to the mission field. Uh, we're not challenging people to even pray that God will send laborers into his harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it breaks my heart. I coordinate 24 countries, like I've already told you. We have two American missionaries in those 24 countries. Mm. We have one American missionary in the whole continent of Africa. We have one American missionary for the whole continent of South America. And as I look back, I remember when I was in church being challenged from the pulpit, from the Word of God, to pray. Is God calling you into that harvest? Mm-hmm. And I don't hear that that often from the pulpit anymore, talking whether that be for pastors here in the United States or whether that be for missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I think would help in that area is if we as pastors would just challenge our people to pray that God will send laborers into his field. Mm-hmm. You know, all three of us are here pastors all three of us work in missions and let's be honest i didn't wake up praying that this morning yeah Yeah. i didn't wake up praying god will you please send laborers Mm. into your field Mm. and i think that's one of the things where we're really lacking wow Mm. i love that i uh i've shared before on here i met a guy that was um mentored by bill bright campus crusade and there are four things he prayed for every morning that was number one he was dedicated to praying pray therefore the lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers and i don't know about y'all but it sits me makes me kind of wonder have we become so attractional and so focused on what we have we're almost afraid of what we might lose Mm -hmm. You know, I know of a guy that, a uh, good friend, and he said they wanted to send this church plan out. And he challenged the whole church, and he said, okay, I want you all to begin praying. Are you going to be a part of the group we send out to plant this church? The first one who came to him was his 23-year-old son. <laughs> and he said later in his quiet time, he said, I said, Lord, I didn't mean him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But... That's a great, great point. Any other things that come to mind? Well, when I was in Costa Rica, I began to look at the churches that were planted by our association in the past and and see some things that were in the churches uh, that were carryovers from the U.S. culture. Yeah. For example, everybody wears a tie. If you were going to preach, you had to have a tie. Well, in Costa Rica, nobody wears a tie, ever, except for in church. Uh, And that began to bother me, and I began to say, okay, God, I don't want to bring my U.S. culture with me to Peru. I don't want to make them Americans. I want to bring the gospel. And I began to think, well, how am I going to do that? 
because I am American. The moment they look at my dress, they're going to know I'm not from Peru. The moment they hear me speak, it doesn't matter how well my Spanish is, they're mm -hmm. going to pick up a U.S. accent. Right. Uh, I have blonde hair and blue eyes. They're going to know I'm not Peruvian. And God just began to lay on my heart that the best way to, to stop bringing our culture and just bringing the gospel is not trying to work in masses, but to work one-on-one, -on -one, to work ah. through one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And in that one-on-one -on -one discipleship, it's real easy for me to sit down and say, hey guys, I do bring things from the United States that are not biblical. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying they're bad, yeah. but it's not Bible. It's not sin right. if you don't do what I do. Right. And it was there in Costa Rica that I became convinced that the way that we were to plant a church, the way that we were going to be used of God to make disciples was not working through a group setting. Mm. Because in a group setting, all they're going to see is the person up on the stage. Yeah. If I'm wearing a tie, they're going to think they have to wear a tie. If I use certain lingo, uh, for example, if I say, God bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is common in Spanish in a number of our countries, everybody's going to say that because they heard the person say that. And I began to get convinced that, no, it's one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's investing our life in these individuals, spending time with them through Scripture. Yeah. And then they could ask me in that one-on-one -on -one setting, hey, I notice you always wear a tie. Do, should I wear it? No, that's, that's my culture. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about what the Bible says about those issues, and then we could address those things that way. Man, that's a good point. And Drew and I have talked a lot. You've just lit his fire a little bit, yeah. I can tell, and he's ready to go. But And that's a good thing. But we've talked a lot, and you've talked to John David Smith, our, our uh, executive director of BMA Missions. And it's funny, so often the way we do ministry is the opposite of how Jesus did right. it. Because what you just described he got 12, and then he actually had that inner circle of three, and he poured into them, and they turned the world yeah. upside down. Mm -hmm. But we kind of like to invert it <laughs> do. and do it the opposite. And we're not saying that never works yeah. because he knows. I keep saying, okay, you got a mass. You got a crowd. That's not the key thing. What are you going to do with them? Yeah. And you're going to have to do what you just described. Jump you, in there. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, John Michael, I'm just wondering – why why is america any different i think it i think we want it to be different and we think that we're doing something in the masses but when you really start to dig down into your people and go now where where are our people mm -hmm. you know in discipleship really then you start going wow this needs to be more individual this needs to be more specific and that's what i love about individual discipleship is you can you can um, cater it to that person to their needs to their personality to their story um, and I think it's the same, but for some reason we think differently. Well, I think, you know, I've been back in the States for four years. I am a one-on-one -on -one discipleship guy. That's what I talk about at the church that I'm a member of. That's what I talk about on the foreign field. And I think the desire comes in. The pastor looks at his congregation. In the case where I'm at, 250 people. Well, I've got to minister to all 250. And they think we've got to bring this into a classroom. I agree with what you're saying, but can't we do this with like 10 people at one time? And what they're missing is, well, we could try, but it's not going to be effective. No. And if we want to raise up leadership, and that's the key, leadership comes through discipleship. 
How did Jesus raise up those leaders? It was through his personal interaction with those individuals. And like you've already said, he had a group of 12, but there's no doubt there were three that were special that saw things that the other 12 did not. But there was only one that he called beloved yep. that had even a closer relationship. Yeah. Yep. And we as pastors have got to get past this idea of, hey, I'm neglecting the 200 if I spend one-on-one -on -one time. There's going to be jealousies. We've got to say, no, guys, we're going to disciple this person so that he can help disciple the next person. Right. And we're going to see this domino effect that's going to take place in our church. And we're not just going to be a church of 250. We're going to be a church of 250 leaders that can impact the world for right. Christ. Wow, that's good stuff right there. That sure is. You know, you saying that, I want to challenge pastors and leaders listening. You are going to have to address jealousy. You just are. Uh, recently, I had a guy come to me. I said, and I'm discipling this guy. And they said, uh, boy, you sure must like so-and-so. You're meeting with him a lot. And I said, well, I do like him, but not any more than anybody else. And they said, well, I heard y'all. He's here. To, you know, and I said, yeah, that's true. I said, by the way, that's available to you. Amen. And he went, huh? <laughs> I said, absolutely. We're doing discipleship. And I showed him the discipleship. I said, why don't you pray about this? And if that's something you want to do, because they're going to notice that. And I do think we got to push through our guilt feelings. Yes, we do. You know, you can only, you can't disciple someone not willing to be discipled. That's right. So all we can do is approach them, ask them, and then uh, move forward with them. No question. Yeah. I, um, uh this is awesome. This is exactly the kind of stuff that we, we like to talk about. Um, but I think that is the problem. As pastors, we go, we, we, we make this dichotomy between the professionals who really do this and everybody else. Instead of going, no, we have to train everybody to do this. Amen. And, and that way we can go deeper instead of just, you made it to the church service, way to go. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's good enough. I agree. I agree. And the reality is, through my years of ministering, and Drew always likes to comment on the podcast. He's been in ministry a long time, but Larry's been a lot longer. So, so many more. Yes, yeah, so many more. Uh, but I can say this unequivocally. The best evangelists I have ever been around one-on-one -on -one were not pastors. That's right. I'm telling you, men and, and ladies in my church who... They just live it, they breathe it, they have that passion for it, and they're going to talk to somebody about Jesus. They just are. And uh, that's not a statement against pastors. I just think we do have to, do we really believe in the priesthood of the believer? You yeah. know, that's a great question. I mean, that's one of the fivefold gifts in Ephesians 4. We exactly. need to have an evangelist present in the church that's leading, you know. What are some principles other principles we've heard the one-on-one -on -one, the investment raising up leaders some other thoughts on discipleship and multiplication that you'd like to share well when we talk about discipleship once again i'm we're talking mostly to pastors on this right. podcast uh, there's this mindset that pastors have to keep up a wall from their people yeah that they can't be real uh discipleship can't take place if you're not vulnerable mm. so good that is and good. Uh, discipleship is 
us investing in their life, but they're also, if they're believers and if discipleship's taking place, they're investing in our lives. Right, right. And it is a mutual thing. Wow. And we have got to get past this idea of don't let your people close to you because they're going to hurt you. That may happen. It may. But if yeah. we're not willing to take that risk, we're not going to raise up people no. that are on fire for Christ. We're not going to see <laughs> leadership raised up. The church that we were in in Peru when I left was not a big church, maybe 60 people. Out of that 60 people, half of them were men. Think about that for a moment. Think yep. about your churches. Right. Exactly. Half of them were men. And out of those 60, we had seven key leaders. Those seven key leaders now are planning churches. I'm going to Peru in August to ordain one of those individuals and organize a church that Woo. is a plan out of that. He was one of our first disciples there. Yeah. And if you're not willing to break down those borders and you're not willing to allow them into your life, you're not going to be used of God to raise up disciples. Wow. It just is not going to happen. That's a good word right there that we need to be thinking about because we have, we built this separation, uh, arm's length, and uh, don't want to get our hands dirty. Don't, and, and it can be messy because we ain't going to lie. You, you let down the wall, you may get hurt. There ain't no doubt about it. It's going to happen, and, and we have to be aware of that. But I love that. Yes, sir? Just trying to think about, for the guys that are listening, how do, how do we as pastors, you know, we think missionally. We're maybe doing a world missions offering. We're maybe occasionally speaking specifically on mission. Um, how do we help our people get this? I mean, obviously, I think this is the, of the Lord's work giving people a heart for missions but how do we what are some suggestions on how we bring people into this need into this commandment of jesus not just to go across the street but to go wherever he calls us get them out there how do we do that it starts going across the street yeah uh we tried to do this in the states as you know i travel a lot so it hasn't functioned as well for my family in the states but when we lived in peru we would always have one of my disciples in our home once a week and we would invite lost people so like friends of his or what? Friends of ours friends that were lost. Okay, gotcha. So that he would see gotcha. how we interact with lost people, how we would share the gospel through relationships with right. lost people, how we would turn these conversations. And one of the things that I noticed, if we're honest as pastors in the United States, most of us don't have lost friends at all. Right. And we're telling our people there to share the gospel, and then we're telling them there to go to Peru and to Bolivia and to Tanzania and Ghana, and they're like, well, I've never seen you do that even here. Mm, I hear you talk about it, but oh I've never seen that. Right. So we were convinced from the very beginning, if I'm going to tell these people they're to take the gospel of their lost friends, they've got to see me taking the gospel of lost friends. So that meant I had to meet lost people. Mm-hmm. So that that's a challenge in and of itself, especially as the church began to grow, because as pastors, we can consume ourselves in the church, in the ministry, right. yeah. where we never interact with lost people. Right. And how are we going to take the gospel and how are we going to teach our people to take the gospel across the street right. without that? And they're never going to go across the ocean yeah. until they've seen you go across the street. So I put a lot of back, back on us as pastors. We're the ones that are supposed to lead. We're the shepherds. And if we're not leading our people, how in the world do we expect them to get on fire for missions when we're not modeling that in front of them? Let me deal with something there we've talked about before, because I think a very practical thing to think about 
is okay, pastors, you're sitting there going, wait a minute. Guys, guys, I don't have time for that. And and to be blunt, our schedules are slammed. I, I don't, I'm tired of somebody saying, hey, if you're busy, I don't know anybody not busy. <laughs> That's right. We're all busy. We've all got all these things going on. And so pastors, think about this. What if you tithed 10% of your weekly time? Let's say you put in 70 hours. What if you just said, I am going to intentionally take five to seven hours to build with relationships and get to know people who are far from God and lead out in that way, whether it's a neighbor, at the gym, volunteering, wherever it is, being a part of the the local chamber. Uh, We've talked about this a lot, but I just want to remind everybody, you got to be intentional. If you don't take the bull by the horns, it ain't going to happen. You're going to have to say, I got to do this and I got to get out there because you're right. The guys that I run across that have the hardest time of coming up with a list of people they know who are lost are pastors. And it's not, we're not getting on anybody. It's the nature of the beast. It's the Christian bubble we all exist and live in. It's a hard thing because, you know, as we see people come to Jesus, one of the first things we want them to do is come away from the world or at least come away from the lifestyle that you've lived to know Christ. And then we keep telling them, come away. This world is so whatever, you know. But when you look at Jesus and his ministry, when he'd heal people or, or, or deliver people, whatever, they're going right back to their community going, come and see what he's done for me. And I think we've taken discipleship out of the world, in essence. Yep. Instead of going, no, we disciple people right where they are so yep. that they can go, oh, this is how you live in this world. That's right. It is. And it's, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. It, it is hard to, to do all the things that we do in ministry and with people and discipleship and yet meet new people. Because there's enough discipleship in the church of people trying to take people deeper and trying to wake up people to, to mission as to also add to your life. Now, who's completely clueless to the Lord? And that's why I think we have to rearrange our schedules and rearrange even some of our, our um, structures so that it opens us up, if nothing else, to the people right where we live on our street. Amen. Brother Larry, you said a word that is key, intentional. Yep. I was in Peru, and I'm talking to our new believers about this, to go where you're at, to go with your people. And my wife began to ask me, she says, John Michael, where do I go? At that time, uh, she says, I go to the grocery store, Mm -hmm. and I come back home and I cook. Where do I go? Wow. And I said, babe, you just said you go to the grocery store. Be intentional in the grocery store. To make a long story short, she began to go to the same cash register every time instead of the shortest line. Yep. Begin to talk to those individuals. Those individuals that she made friends with are leaders in the church in Ica today. <laughs> That's awesome. Leaders. Yeah. And you and I have places that we go. Right. We may not even think about it. Every once a month, I go and get an oil change. I drive a lot. Well, the same guy checks me in every time. All I've got to do is be intentional. That's it. Begin to say, hey, what's your name? How are you doing? Begin to build that relationship so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Mm -hmm. those individuals. We just close our eyes most of the time because we're in a hurry. That's it. We think we've got things more important to do instead of being intentional for the gospel's sake. But when those people entered Jesus' life... He wasn't in a hurry, was he? He was ready to stop, go in the other direction, sit down, talk to him. It's interesting you brought up, you need to tell her. 
We just put on an Arabic-speaking church planner in El Cajon, California. And when he moved to Chicago, he started going. He was not a believer. And he was led to the Lord by a lady that worked in the grocery store. <laughs> and he would go there. And, of course, she spoke Arabic. So they immediately, mm-hmm. you know, right. had a, an affinity to one another. But it was through that that he received Christ. And now he's a church planner. Amen. Yeah. So, man, that's a great word reminding. Yeah, there are those, you know, what are those places that you visit? Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Another thing that I would like to mention. Yeah. Talking to our pastors. Uh, I have an individual that has donated money yeah. for me to take young pastors that have never been on a mission trip wow. on a mission trip. So you have no excuse, Pastor. If wow. you have not been on a mission trip, I would love to take you somewhere in Africa, in the South America. And the only request that I ask that you pray that you would be open to God's will, whatever that is. You know what I don't <laughs> like about your announcement? You just said young pastor, so I'm disqualified, aren't I? If you haven't been on a mission trip, <laughs> Brother <you> Larry, <laughs> so you're, you're well, disqualified two ways. Two, yeah. Well, more than two, right. probably. <laughs> but what a great thing, guys. Listen, and man, if you've ever thought, man, I'd like to Wonderful. do that, yeah, get a hold of us. Remind them how to yeah, reach out. Info to at us. Healthy Church Podcast. Info at, and my, my voice broke. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me try that again. Info at healthychurchpodcast.com. Let us know and we'll connect you with John Michael. Absolutely. What a great offer. And I Huge. I just want to jump on that. It it doesn't mean you'll end up on the mission field, but I'll say this. If God's calls out of that, you right. better go to the mission right. field. But it'll light your fire. Amen. Right. It 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 had such an impact. One of my regrets in ministry is I waited as long as I did. Till I finally went and saw uh, the ministry on on a, another field and what God was doing, and it just broadens your oh, yeah. uh, your perspective uh, and just makes you so appreciate. And you you're making me laugh about uh, culture and everything because certain phrases I used in Romania, they went, "Don't say that," <laughs> and and then I'd go, "Okay, but why?" And they'd explain it to me, you know. And you just learn so much, and your heart is just so blessed by that. So I hope some, there'll be some takers on Amen. this. Well, and for me, it breaks your heart. Yes. It changes your heart for prayer and yeah. and, and the nations. And then it you does. can take that back to your church. Amen. It Amen. Does. I think so many times we get caught up in our bubble Yep. and we think our God is this big. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, when I went on my first mission trip, it was in 1994. I'm a crier. I'm going to try to cry. Okay. Y'all can't see me. We love it. Uh, <laughs> But here I was, this young teenage boy, very rebellious, but God had saved me two years prior and just was in awe. You mean my God? Yeah, that's good. Is this big? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Wow. And just watching people worship your God, our God, in different languages and Mm -hmm. thinking of what we see in Revelation. Yeah. Mm. Every tribe. Mm. Every nation. Yes. Yes, sir. He's that big now. Yeah. He's working all over the world. And we miss that because we get caught up in wherever we're at, whether that's my case, Memphis area, or Conway, or Little Rock. And we get caught up in these things and we think, well, God's this big. No, he's so much bigger. <laughs> and when you get to go on those mission trips and see what God is doing, mm-hmm. not what he's going to do, but what he is doing all over the world, it just, man, it makes you fall in love with him even more. 
because he's that big. He's that awesome of a right. God. Right. That's a good word right there, yeah, my friend. Yeah, I don't know how we could end this any better than I, that. I don't right either. What a great, great word to be reminded of. I got to know, where was that first place? that Bolivia. You, was it Bolivia? It I was. thought so, but I was curious. Man, John Michael, thank you, brother, for being with us and sharing your heart. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Good. Man, what a joy. God bless you. We will continue to pray for your ministry and pray God leads you and leads us to do more things like you've been doing in mission. Guys, thanks for listening to the Healthy Church Podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Healthy Church Podcast, sponsored by Activate, a church health ministry of the BMA. For more information, resources, and other related topics, please go to healthychurchpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at Healthy Church Podcast.